Hey all, this is Cassie, the host of Everybody. And ever since I can remember, I've been obsessed with how the human body works and how no matter what stage in life you're at, you can make amazing changes. Together, we're going to deep dive into topics like disease, nutrition, mental health, and more, all with a focus on how we can take steps toward living healthier, happier lives. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, I'm really excited to talk today. We are going to be talking about women's health, specifically pelvic floor health um, and core stability and things like that over the next few episodes. So I have actually personally been seeing a pelvic floor therapist for uh, well over six weeks at this point. Um, and I have recorded some of my visits with her. And I'm also going to have her as a guest on the show uh, coming up in a few weeks. But what I want to do today is I just want to talk about pelvic floor health. And I feel like this is such an important topic to cover because so many women that I know, specifically that have had children, almost like joke or, or, or make fun of the idea that um, they often have accidents or pee their pants or, you know, so many uh, moms are just like, oh yeah, well, I'm a mom and so I pee my pants sometimes. And it's become this like such a common thing that people talk about, but it's really not normal. Uh, it shouldn't be happening and we don't have to accept it as part of our lives. Like it's not just because you've had children doesn't mean that you're supposed to pee your pants for the rest of your life, right? And there are also many women and men because men have pelvic floor um, issues as well um, that have pelvic floor problems or incontinence problems um, who obviously have never had children, women, and then obviously men. So what I want to do is just cover some real basic knowledge today about the pelvic floor, pelvic floor health, and then next week um, you are going to get to listen to the recording of myself at my very first pelvic floor physical therapy appointment that I had a few weeks back, and we will kind of work through that while uh, we go through the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to start with some facts about pelvic floor dysfunction. So 24% of women have at least one symptom of pelvic floor dysfunction. This increases with age. So about 10% of women ages 20 to 30 years old, and about 50% of women over 80 have pelvic floor dysfunction. And this also will increase with the amount of births you've had. So about 13% of women that have had no children will have pelvic floor dysfunction. About 25% of women that have had two children have pelvic floor dysfunction. And about 32% of women that have had three or more children have pelvic floor dysfunction. So it's no secret. It's not uncommon. So many people have it. Um, I don't think it's talked about enough. I don't think that our healthcare professionals warn us enough about it, about what to expect after we have children, about how we should feel, about, hey, if you notice these symptoms, um, you should say something. But um, it's common, and it's something that we should talk about more as moms and more as women, because uh, there's so many women out there who haven't had children yet, and they should know uh, what to expect and what's normal and what's not normal. So there are many functions of the muscles that make up the pelvic floor, and then each function 
would relate to a different dysfunction. So one function of the pelvic floor is to support. It's to support the organs um, in your pelvic floor, things like your uterus, your bladder, uh, things like that. And um, the dysfunction would be a prolapse. So if you're not getting the support you need, a prolapse would be when maybe the bladder or the uterus are sitting lower than they should. So they're not being supported or held up enough by the pelvic floor. Another function is um, the sphincter muscles, right? And then a disc dysfunction of that would be incontinence, constipation, or pain in that area. Another function of our pelvic floor muscles is our sexual function. And the dysfunction would then be erectile dysfunction uh, for men and then pain with sex with women. Um, another huge function of the pelvic floor is stability. And this is where kind of that orthopedic side of me really kind of nerds out on this stuff. So poor stability or dysfunction of your pelvic floor muscles can lead to low back pain, SI joint disorder, diastasis of the rectus abdominis, core weakness, difficulties with load transfer. So that would mean like transferring weight from one leg to another or, you know, things along that line. So Many women don't even know they have pelvic floor dysfunction, but they've got low back pain, or they have that diastasis going on, uh, that separation of the rectus abdominis muscles in the front. Um, but another function of the pelvic floor muscles is kind of like a pump for your body. And if that isn't working right, you'll actually get some congestion of fluids in the pelvic floor area that aren't being recirculated throughout your body that obviously can lead to bloating or things like that. And another function is to support you while you're sitting. And if you are not having the right function there, you can actually get something that's also termed as cyclist syndrome, which is like, you know, if you're sitting on a bike for too long, um, you have some numbness, whether it be um, down the legs or into the feet or just in that pelvic floor area. And you would get that from just regular sitting, um, not necessarily just sitting on a bicycle, but they call it cyclist syndrome because that's also something that can happen um, to cyclists. But um, so we are going to start talking a little bit about some of this dysfunction. So first, we're going to talk about diastasis of the rectus abdominis, or diastasis is also another term, it can really be pronounced either way. So um, diastasis recti is the partial or complete separation of the rectus abdominis muscles or those six pack muscles in the front. So they meet in the middle of your stomach and diastasis recti is very common during and following pregnancy. And it's very normal. It's something that has to happen. That separation um, of the tissue that connects the muscles down the middle does need to stretch and pull apart to allow for not only your growing baby, but also as baby grows, a lot of your organs and intestines and things like that get pushed around and moved around um, into areas they don't normally sit. And so your stomach has to move so that that can happen. So what you need to focus on is if you do have this diastasis or diastasis, um, the severity of it isn't necessarily measured 100% by how far spread it is. So if you've ever seen a doctor or a therapist for this, they'll use their fingers and say you're like two finger widths, you know, spread or of separation or whatever. But um, the separation part is in terms somewhat normal. However, the severity of your symptoms is different. So really the severity of your DRA or diastasis of the rectus abdominis really just depends on your symptoms. So you can have 
a diastasis, but be completely functional, um, that tissue can be strong and holding in place, um, you don't have any pain or any other symptoms, then it's normal. You're fine. You don't have to worry about it. Um, something that a lot of people do notice is something called doming, or some people term it bulging. And what that is, is when you have that diastasis or that separation, and you notice kind of your belly sticking out in that area, almost um, like, like a little dome that's coming up. And it might just be at a certain part, maybe just at your belly button, a little higher, a little lower, or whatever. But um, you know, that is a sign of dysfunction. And that's something that you would want to seek out help for. You know, physical therapy is the number one way that you can start working on that. You know, a lot of people or maybe doctors that aren't super educated in, in helping women with this diastasis will often recommend like a surgery. Um, and a surgery really is not the first line of defense for closing up or trying to repair some of that diastasis or separation because you can do a surgery, but you're still going to have the dysfunction of the pelvic floor and the weakness of the muscles that were there. And now you've had incisions and gone through surgery and need to heal. So it's not always the best choice or the number one choice. The number one choice should be physical therapy. Um, so if you're noticing some of that doming, especially during things like a plank or a push-up or sit-ups or something like that, or even just like trying to get up out of bed, that's a sign you've got some dysfunction going on and you should definitely talk to your doctor and request some physical therapy. Now let's talk a little bit about different types of incontinence, okay? So incontinence often is just urine. Um, you can have incontinence um, dysfunction through your anus as well. Um, but what we'll focus on is um, incontinence with urine or your bladder today, because that is, I would say, the most common. Um, and so many people just say, oh, well, just do your kegels, right? I'm sure you've all heard this. Just do your kegels and you'll be fine. Well, that may not be the answer, depending on what you've got going on with the pelvic floor. So there are two types of incontinence, and often these two types of incontinence occur together, so they don't often, it's not usually just one or the other, it's usually a combination of both. But there's something called stress incontinence, and stress incontinence is the times when you have incontinence that your body is under stress. So running, jumping, um, you know, things like that, having to move really quickly, or maybe you trip and then have some incontinence. It's something where your body gets stressed and all of a sudden it lets go of a little bit of urine. Urge incontinence is a little different. Urge incontinence might be like um, you're on your way to the bathroom and you feel like you have to go. And then right before you sit down, you go. So like you don't have that control. It's like you get that urge and you have to go right away. And again, it's very typical for people to have a combination of both stress and urge incontinence. And the answer isn't always doing kegels. It can be sometimes an exercise that's recommended, but not always. Because what you have to understand, especially about stress incontinence, is it's very typical for your pelvic floor to be too tight and not too loose. And so I think as women, we all sit and think, oh, I had this baby, I'm stretched out in my pelvic floor. And that's really not always the case. Sometimes things are too tense in your pelvic floor. So imagine squeezing a ball super hard, as hard as you can possibly squeeze it in your hand. And then someone says, well, now squeeze it harder. 
and you can't possibly squeeze it any harder. That's kind of what stress incontinence is like. Your pelvic floor is already super tight, and then you try to, say, go for a run, and typically during a run, your pelvic floor is going to tighten up and loosen up depending on the pressure that's happening and your endurance and how long you've been running and all of those things. So it'll typically just activate when you need it to and relax when you don't need it to. But if it's already activated before you start and then you feel like you have to go to the bathroom and your body gives it the sign like squeeze tight so I don't pee, but it's already squeezed as tight as it possibly can, well, then you're going to have some incontinence issues. So often it is learning how to not just activate your pelvic floor, but relax your pelvic floor as well. So physical therapy really is like the number one place that you can start with helping with some of these incontinence issues or the diastasis issues and figuring out really what is going on. So um, you kind of have two ways to go for physical therapy. One option would be an orthopedic physical therapist. And this is a physical therapist that's going to do mostly external work. So there's nothing internal. Um, They can focus on that DRA. They can focus on your pelvic floor dysfunction. And they're coming more from an orthopedic standpoint for so your muscles, the muscle imbalance, um, bony structures, things like that. Or you can seek out a pelvic floor therapist. Now, I highly recommend going the pelvic floor therapist route first just to see what's really going on. Because if they assess you and say, oh, I mean, I don't think there's anything too much going on internally, you can definitely work with an orthopedic therapist or, I mean, it's very often pelvic floor therapists do kind of both things. So they do the orthopedic side as well as the pelvic floor um, internal work. And so it really kind of just depends on where you're finding your therapist um, and those kinds of choices that you can make, what your insurance covers. So diving into what you can expect at physical therapy a little bit deeper, um, if you go see a pelvic floor therapist, they are going to do a full um, exam with you as far as externally, right? Watching you move, watching you bend, assessing your muscle length and strength and core and all of those things. And then it will be very common to do an internal um, exam as well, where the pelvic floor therapist will actually Um, insert one to two fingers um, and actually assess the pelvic floor muscles from the inside. It's definitely not uncomfortable in the sense that it shouldn't hurt unless you're very, very um, maybe having pain issues in your pelvic floor. But even then, it's a very gentle assessment. Um, And I know this is the number one reason why people avoid the pelvic floor therapy is because they're like, that's weird to have somebody all up in there doing that. But I will tell you from personal experience, because I have gone to pelvic floor physical therapy, um, is it a little uncomfortable at first? Yeah, sort of. Um, Does it hurt? No. Uh, Does it give you an insight into some stuff that maybe you're feeling and you had no idea where it's coming from? Yes, absolutely. Um, It's actually a very interesting and cool thing to have done um, and just really get a handle on what's going on with your core, right? So your core isn't just your six-pack muscles. Your core is all of these muscles that support your pelvic floor. And if they're not working the right way, well, that's why you've got dysfunction. So what you 
um, are thinking about it, PT is just trying to go in, be 100% honest, do not be embarrassed uh, to tell you know, the physical therapist, what's going on, what type of incontinence you have, how often it is, or anything like that. Um, you know, this is a medical professional. It's what they do every single day. They're there to help you and support you. Uh, so I promise while in the beginning, it might feel a little weird. Um, if you've got a good therapist, and I'm sure that you can have confidence in any therapist that you find, um, that they are going to help you feel comfortable enough to get through it. So Next, I'd like to talk a little bit about exercise and fear. And this is actually a topic we covered in the pain episodes, fear of exercise because of pain. But there are many moms out there or women that have pelvic floor dysfunction and they have fear of exercise um, either because of their pelvic floor dysfunction. So they don't want to run or jump. They don't want to um, do higher impact exercises because it causes them to have urinary incontinence or Many moms who get information that say, oh, you shouldn't do this exercise if you have that diastasis, or you shouldn't do this exercise because you have pelvic floor dysfunction. And, you know, it's not always 100% true. You have to really think about where you're getting your information from. Now, I will say something, and if I can describe some exercise here, I'm going to, but picture that like core exercise where you're laying on your back and both your legs are out straight and you're pulling both legs up and lowering them down to the floor and pulling them back up again. If you do that exercise, you or have done that exercise before, you know that it's extremely difficult um, on the core muscles, right? So if you've got some pelvic floor dysfunction or some of that bulging or doming from that diastasis, that's a situation that you might find yourself in that's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that because I have dysfunction. And usually it's not just going to be visible dysfunction, like I can see uh, that doming happening, but I can feel it too. So I can feel it in my low back. And what that tells me is if my low back is achy during this exercise, during this exercise that shouldn't be causing my low back issues, then I know that I have core dysfunction and I should avoid it. So there are definitely exercises that can be modified and should be modified if you have dysfunction, but any exercise is okay for you as long as you don't experience doming or pain. And so some moms will say, I can't do any core exercise at all because I have this diastasis. Well, first I'll break the news to you. Most any exercise you do is going to involve your core to function somehow, whether it's lower body or upper body. But second, it's not true. There are certainly many things that you can do and are safe to do um, as long as they're not causing pain or dysfunction. So again, and this is probably coming more from me and my uh, physical therapy background is we really focus on function and dysfunction, not necessarily 100% how things look, not necessarily 100% on you know, is this the same as everyone else? But is it functional for you? Is it working for you? And if it's not, then that's when it's time to kind of take another look at it. Now, let's talk a little more about your actual abdominal muscles. So these are the ones that you may picture when I say um, core muscles, although the abdominal muscles are not the only muscles that make up your core. Now, the rectus abdominis we've been talking about is vertically oriented, so it's up and down, fibers attaching from the front and the bottom of your ribs down to the front of your pelvis, and these are your six-pack muscles. So if someone has a six-pack, these are the muscles you're really seeing. 
what they do is they flex the trunk and or another way of thinking that is bend you forward. So picture doing like a sit-up, laying on the floor, traditional sit-up. That's your rectus abdominis muscles being targeted there. Then you have the um, external oblique. And the external obliques are diagonally oriented fibers from the side of the ribs down toward the pelvis and the middle of the body. So they rotate your trunk and they side bend your trunk. So tipping side to side from your trunk. Those are the external obliques. Then you have the internal obliques and the internal obliques are also diagonally oriented fibers opposite of the external oblique. So they move up from the side of the pelvis toward the midline and they also rotate and side bend the trunk. Then you have your transverse abdominis. So these are horizontally or side to side oriented fibers that look and act like a corset or think of it like a brace to the midsection. So they provide stability to the entire area. And it's often this transverse abdominis muscle that we need to start learning how to use. We very often overuse our rectus and our obliques and we're not necessarily activating our transverse abdominis muscle. So to activate that transverse abdominis muscle, what you really need to do is um, work on imagining pulling on like really tight jeans. So it's an action actually happening below your belly button. So think like lower cut jeans, trying to pull them on and how you would um, activate those core muscles or stomach to try to button them. That's one way of thinking about it. Now, when you activate that transverse abdominis, um, it really can support the rectus abdominis and the pelvic floor and your low back. So this is a really important muscle. And this is if you're going to physical therapy or you've been there, whether it's for pelvic floor dysfunction or low back pain, I bet your physical therapist, one of the first things they had you do was start doing transverse abdominis activation. Um, even if you're currently pregnant and go see a physical therapist while you're pregnant, again, if you're going to them for back pain, hip pain, things like that, uh, that transverse abdominis is the first thing you're going to learn how to activate. So that is very, very important. Um, something else you may learn is, yes, how to do a proper Kegel, or some people pronounce it Kegels, um, but also how to do the opposite of that. So knowing not only how to activate your pelvic floor, but how to relax the pelvic floor is super important. And you may find yourself spending more time learning how to relax the pelvic floor than how to activate it. And that's something um, that is going to probably be a game changer for you because even coming from someone like me who knows how to teach other people to do it, I still wasn't doing it correctly. And I actually needed to seek out a physical therapist and say, look, I've got this dysfunction. I don't know what's going on or why I'm having so much trouble doing it with myself. And really it just comes down to um, a lot of that uh, neuromuscular control in your brain, connecting with the right muscles and doing the right things to activate them. And so often having that outside eye, that second person to really assess how you're doing is very, very, very important um, and super beneficial to have. Now, if we are going to just talk about some things to be cautious with, if you do have that diastasis or that separation, diastasis of the rectus abdominis, and you do experiencing and you are experiencing the doming or the bulging, some things to just watch for are, number one, doing full sit-ups might not be the best idea. 
doing anything with both legs extended. So like I talked about those legs out straight, dropping down, picking them up might not be great. Planks or push-ups, maybe, depending on you if you have that doming or bulging happening. Or activities where your arms are overhead can also be, it's just a more challenging position um, to be in control with. So that may be why sometimes jumping jacks are the thing that sets you off or something like that. So you want to use caution with some of these exercises, especially if you're noticing that doming happening, but you don't have to be fearful. So you want to focus on what you can do with control and avoiding doming. And I bet there is so much, so, so much you can do um, without irritating that pelvic floor or that diastasis. Now, something just to think about again is if you want to exercise and you haven't gotten back into it yet because you've been fearful or you just haven't known like what's a safe way for me to move or what's you know good for me to do or not good for me to do, that's where um, either a physical therapist or maybe a personal trainer at a gym that has some history and background. Um, lots of lots of trainers are certified in pregnancy and postpartum um, types of exercise, so that's a really good way to go. But what I would do is really focus on what you can do right now and build from that. Sometimes we are so fearful of what's quote unquote wrong with us that we lose track and sight of the things we actually can do. So I will say personally, in both my physical therapy and my personal training world, when I meet with a woman who has pelvic floor dysfunction or diastasis, and you know, oftentimes these will be people, you know, if I'm in the personal training role, they're seeing a physical therapist to help with some of this dysfunction, um, they still seem cautious or nervous or worried. And the number one thing I hear is I don't want to make it worse. And that's the one part where I kind of step in and say, what's done is done, right? You've had your babies, you've been through your pregnancy, you have this diastasis or this separation or this pelvic floor dysfunction. And you can't necessarily change where it's at right now. But also, if you live your life in fear of making things worse, you're never going to make progress either. And especially with that diastasis or that separation, I mean, especially for some of the women I meet that are two, three years out, you know, after having babies, I mean, there's really not much you can do to make that any worse. It's not just going to like randomly rip apart. That's not... It's just not what happens. Um, can you stress that area? Yeah, for sure. And that can then make your low back hurt or your hips hurt or something like that. And that's where you'll notice that dysfunction. But there's also nothing that you're going to do that's going to just like tear it open either, right? Outside of like some weird, strange type of accident or something like that. And even then it's like, it's not something that normally happens. So um, just thinking about learning how to relax and not be so fearful of movement. Um, another thing that is usually clinically tied with the diastasis and some of the pelvic floor dysfunction is being tight through that thoracic spine or that mid-back area. So not your neck, not your low back. The thoracic is kind of the what's in between the low back and the neck. Um, and that area can tend to get really tight and tense. So that's also an area that in physical therapy 
um, we focus on getting to loosen up. So your diaphragm is your breathing muscle, and that sits right below your rib cage. So it's really kind of like middle of your back. Um, and there is often dysfunction with breathing and breath control when there's dysfunction with your core and pelvic floor muscles, which causes some tension and tightness through that mid-back area as well. So it's usually this whole puzzle, right? It's not just your kegels. It's not just being able to squeeze your pelvic floor muscles. It's really this whole function and how everything connects, you know, from your shoulders and your neck all the way down through your breathing muscles, your rib cage, your abdomen, your pelvic floor, your hips, um, even muscles that connect to your pelvic floor, like your adductors or your inner thigh muscles connect onto your pelvis just below where your rectus abdominis connects, right? Your hamstrings connect on the ischial tuberosity and or also known as your butt bone. Um, so those bony parts on your butt when you sit. So there's really a huge connection uh, between your body in general and any pelvic floor dysfunction you may be having or that diastasis issues you may be having. Um, a lot of it is tied together with a lot of other parts of your body. So my message for you today is if you are a woman or a man, and I know I focused on talking about women today because obviously we are the most common to have pelvic floor dysfunction and obviously that diastasis often, you know, is coming from pregnancies. So that's why I'm addressing women. But if you're a woman or a man and you have any form of incontinence, whether it is bladder incontinence, fecal incontinence, maybe you have that diastasis or that separation of your muscles and you're having back pain, hip pain. If you're a woman and you are having pain with sex, that is not normal. That's not something that should just be expected after you have a baby. Now sex just hurts and you're going to pee your pants. It's not normal. It's not something that has to stay that way. So I want you to take this message from me. If you are having some of these symptoms or you feel like maybe you've got some of this going on, I want you to reach out either directly to a pelvic floor physical therapist that maybe you know or can be referred to by a friend or family or if you need to because of insurance, you can also start with your doctor. And again, be your best advocate. So don't just go to the doctor and say, I'm having some incontinence and then let the doctor tell you, oh, well, that can be somewhat normal after having children. Let's give it a while and see how it goes. Or here, they might hand you a sheet that says do kegels. What you want to do is advocate for yourself. This is great information. Thank you, Dr. So-and-so, but I also would love a referral to a pelvic floor physical therapist. Is that something you can do for me today? Again, it's very rare that you're going to find a doctor that says, no, you can't go to physical therapy. So I want you as your own self to be your own best advocate. Reach out. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Because while it's not normal, it's also not embarrassing either, or it shouldn't be. This is something that so many of us moms have gone through or go through, and a lot of us never have had the permission. We've never had somebody say, oh yeah, that, that actually is something that happens to me too, and I got help for it. It's very often we might be in a circle of moms that are like, oh yeah, me too. That's why you know I wear a panty liner, or I have to change my underwear after I go for a run. 
No, that's not normal. Is it something that you may have to do right now? Yes, but it's not normal. And I promise it doesn't have to stay that way if you do the right kind of work. So finding out where you can find a good pelvic floor physical therapist is going to be a life changer for you. And also know that you are not alone, that it's not just you. Um, It is something that happens and is common for us mamas, but it's not something that has to stay permanently. So just keep that in mind as we close down today's talk. Um, Next week, what I am really excited to do is actually let you listen in on my very first pelvic floor physical therapy appointment where we go through the examination. There actually was nothing internal on my first day, so it was more just talking about my symptoms and Um, having the therapist kind of, you know, do a once over externally, watch my movement, my strength and things like that. So I am hoping to be able to share those recordings with you. I'm hoping they're quality enough to share with you. Um, But I am really looking forward as this like is a little mini documentary on what I've been going through the past few weeks. Um, If you are a mama and you're having problems with this pelvic floor stuff and you just need someone to talk to, you know how to find me. I'm on Instagram at trainer, T-R-A-I-N-E-R, under slash Cassie, C-A-S-S-I-E. And I am looking forward to talking to you again soon. Have a great day, everyone. Oh my gosh, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I truly hope you've learned something today about your body. And I know you're thinking of someone right now that would love to listen to this too. So go ahead and send it to them. Until next time, make sure to drink plenty of water, move your body, and smile often.